1: we are back at it welcome back to another edition of the pistols firing podcast i'm carson cunningham joined as always by colby
0: powell colby how are you doing on this sunday i am doing a great i am doing great i just won a golf tournament um it's been a busy day i was up this morning to watch the second half of the oklahoma state game Then I headed out to the golf course, played 18 holes, waited an hour for other groups to come in, had to go back out for a playoff. Now I've been home for about 10 minutes and now I am prepared to break down uh, a game that I watched in two parts and boy, were they two very different parts.
1: I felt like I watched it in two parts. It began on Saturday and ended early Sunday. So I felt like I watched it two different days because I did. So, um, I don't know if I'm quite ready for big 12 after dark, uh, Physically, <laughs> I'm older than I used to be, but uh, it was a late night. A lot of, a lot of interesting things happened, and we're going to break down what occurred in Tempe. The Cowboys win twenty-seven to fifteen. But first, let's hear from Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop Cowboy shop. Be sure to shop at Chris's University Spirit for all your Cowboy-related needs. We appreciate Chris's being with us every step of the way. Again, we're doing two podcasts a week now that we're back on the football schedule. A little pregame game action, previewing the game, and then a little post-game reaction, which you're listening to right now um colby it was only a two and a half three point line depending on where you look so on the surface if you didn't watch this game you had nothing to do with oklahoma state not affiliated you look at it and be like yeah they could have scored more points oklahoma state but they won you know by double digits and a solid win it did not feel solid watching the game and we're going to get into the offense which was kind of the biggest talking point on just Again, failing to reach 30 points. Again, questions revolving around three quarterbacks. Again, questions revolving on where this program has fallen offensively under Casey Dunn as OC. But, Colby, I think the story of the game is the defense. And, again, I was much higher on the Brian Nardo hire uh, when they made it. And I think a lot of that had to do with thinking about the success that Mike Yersich had, the success of coaches like Joey McGuire coming up from the high school ranks – Uh, I don't judge coaches so much now on what level they were coaching at. I think you hire people and you hire scheme and Colby, the tackling was atrocious to start the game. I'm sure you were pulling your hair out like I was, but what a performance defensively, the adjustments they made in the second half and barring, you know, a complete bust on a long touchdown, the defense won this game for the Cowboys, which we've said a lot lately.
0: No doubt about it. I was last night. Whenever I watched the first half defense was okay. This morning, I was blown away by what the defense was doing. Um, there was a play in that first half. It was the play before the long touchdown. And this one almost, I, I i just about, I've got three TVs, so one can afford to go. And we almost lost the TV when I'm watching this play. Jane Rashad, it's like third and eight. And he takes off to scramble and we've got four guys out there and none of them seal off the edge and he gets outside And he gets the first down by half a yard. The very next play is the 60-yard touchdown. And at that point, I thought I was losing my mind just a little bit. And then the defense really settled in from there the rest of the way. And the second half was pretty unbelievable. The adjustments that they made, they pretty much said, okay, look, you're not going to beat us with, with this little ground game that you were running and trying to get to the corner and just barely eking out first downs. We're going to stuff the box. We're going to make it hard for you to run the football. And if you, Jaden Rashada, can beat us through the air, go beat us through the air. And he was not ready to do that. Uh, Lyric Rawls, he, he was actually, I think the one who let Jaden Rashada get out of bounds uh, and get the first down on the play I mentioned earlier, but he bounces back, gets a nice interception. Um, I, I was so impressed with with what the defense did in that second half. And this has kind of become the identity, right? It's been almost a calendar year now. We're, we're at about 11 months uh, since Oklahoma State last scored at least 30 points in a football game. This is now the identity of the team. You go out, you play good defense, you, you hold another team under 20 points, and you hope it's enough. Um, that's what it is right now, and last night it was enough. Was it pretty? Did they go out and blow out what I think is a pretty bad Arizona State team? No, but – I don't think Oklahoma State's great either, and they went in there and grinded out the win. Uh, I was beyond impressed with the defense, particularly in that second half. Brian Nardo and the players on the field deserve all the credit in the world. In that heat, to continue to do that after getting beat up a little bit in the first half, um, well done. Well done. Bullet all around for the defense.
1: Yeah, it was a rough start, too. I mean, 15 points in the first 20 minutes for Arizona State, and you're like, oh, no, here we go. This could get ugly. But I think the beautiful thing about Brian Nardo's scheme and the 3-3-5 defense is – yeah, they, they had the bust in the 65 yard touchdown, but Arizona State only had two passing plays more than 15 yards. They had a besides that play, which was a complete bust, 34 and 28 yard completions. That was it. And that's the one thing I really love about this defense, Colby, is you make offenses absolutely earn it. At the three three five, you're able to keep so much in front of you and you have so much speed to close down. Like that and again, the, the 15 points they had in the first 20 minutes, guys were in position to make tackles. They just missed a ton of tackles and they shored that up as the game progressed. But I the ceiling of this defense is higher than it really they've shown. You know, you got Colin Oliver in game talking about how we, we still haven't run any of our stuff yet. We're, we're, he goes, we have so much left in the cupboard. And that's really exciting when you take a step back and look at the overall performance against Arizona State. I mean, t- two really long pass plays besides the bust. And that was about it. And I just think that Brian Nardo has really impressed me through two two weeks. I mean, to give up, what is it, 14 points, uh, 15 points this week. And uh, what was it, 13 last week? I can't remember the score yeah. last week.
0: 27-13 last week. Yeah,
1: 13 last week. I mean, he and he's got – I, I'm just thoroughly impressed. I mean, Arizona state too. I think the story of the game too, Colby was the, the fourth downs uh, you're, you're Mr. Never punt uh, Arizona state's Kenny Dillingham, the head coach, he he might've, he might've been out a little out over skis, a little too excited with the, the home game against the big opponent. Cause the, Arizona state was one of five on fourth down. And, and I count those Colby's turnovers. Those are turnovers on downs by definition. And so Thoroughly impressed with Brian Nardo. And it's really exciting, Colby. As I mentioned with, with Colin Oliver saying, they they really haven't pulled anything out of the bag yet. So as as down as I am on the offense, and we'll get to that, I am really, really impressed through two weeks with with Brian Nardo and what he's already been able to establish defensively with his schemes. And really, we, we talk so much, Colby, about halftime adjustments with Jim Knowles. We're, we're seeing that right now with Brian Nardo. His second half adjustments were lights out.
0: Yeah, they were unbelievable. I, I'm... Beyond impressed with the first two weeks from him. Um, And and Oklahoma State is going to need that, right? But for him to come in and be able to make those adjustments, and you could clearly see first half to second half that they changed things. And has it been two start to finish perfect shutout games for the Oklahoma State defense? No, but you can live with a drive here and there. When most of the things in between, I mean, that defense was pretty physical last night. Those fourth down, you meant, those fourth downs you mentioned. I mean, they're doing the direct snap. They've got the extra blocker in there. We're stuffing that fourth and two. They 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 try to QB sneak on third and one, and we stuff that back. Now it's fourth and two. They try to go quick on us again, run the wheel route. Lyric Rawls is out there. Jaden Rashada takes decides not to take off uh, into all of the just mountains of open running space that he had, and you get off the field again. They just kept making play after play when Oakland. Oklahoma State needed it and I tell you what when I went to sleep last night and and I almost decided to stay up and watch the whole thing but I had to be up early I'm like no I'll watch it in the morning when I went to sleep last night and Oklahoma State was down 15 to 10 I didn't know I, I was trying to think of a way where Oklahoma State was going to score enough points that if Arizona State got one or two more on the board we could win the football game and it turns out Arizona State wasn't going to score again. Uh, I was pretty surprised to, to turn it on this morning and see a shutout pitched in the second half. And all the credit goes to Brian Nardo and, and to the guys who executed. Uh, Corey Black had a good game, made made some plays out on the edge. I mean, he blew up a screen in that first half that if he's not out there and he doesn't blow that up, that's probably a first down. Colin Oliver made some nice plays. Justin Kirkland got in on the action. Nathan Latu was putting a lot of pressure uh, on Jaden Rashada. The guys on the back end played well. Uh, good low. Was, good low but, made
1: a big play. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I mean there was the one breakdown where you let a guy run free. And yeah, that sucks, but you can live with that when everything in between is good. Um so yes, let's I, I'm glad that we started this show by praising the defense instead of talking about the uh the struggles offensively because sometimes we overlook just how, how good they've been on that side of the ball and they deserve a ton of credit because that unit, the the defense. Uh, and I could even maybe extend that a little bit to the special teams. Kicking has been really good the past couple of years. Uh, that is what is winning Oklahoma State football games. And they, get a, they need a lot of credit, uh, and they deserve to to have us lead the show with them because it was impressive what they did last night.
1: Yeah, and it's important to note, too, Arizona State lost their starting tackle. I guess he was the second string. They're down to their third string oh, tackle. That, so that certainly had an effect on them. But I'm glad you mentioned Colin Oliver. And, again, I, w- I want to read this quote from him about the defense. He said, quote, you don't want to show everything that first game, show teams what you're about, what you're about that first game. This was honestly scratching the surface of what we really have, which is crazy. In my opinion, we barely did anything today and it didn't look like it. That'll tell you everything you need to know right there. It just blows my mind. We did so much little stuff today. No big scheme changes. None of that. Just simple adjustments to what these guys do. And we went out there and balled. I'm so excited for what we got in store. And Colin Oliver, who I thought was." pretty anonymous in week one. I was questioning his role in this defense. Well he he showed up big time. He had seven tackles, uh, was really kind of all over the field and, and really that delivering some some hits. And I, I thought he was the player that we hoped he would be coming into this year. And that Colby, that again, that's exciting. And again, it with a new coordinator too, you know, we're so we're so concerned with showing offensive plays or it seem the staff was in week one. It's pretty exciting to have that on the other side of the football with a new a new coordinator that team simply have very little film on Kenny Dillingham talked about that leading into this week. Uh that that even makes me more excited about what this defense can do the fact that Oliver's willing to admit that we haven't even run our our full bag yet. That 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 to me is my biggest takeaway of the game with how lights out they were in the second half knowing that they really haven't even run the stuff Nardo really wants to
0: run. Yeah, and you mentioned uh, Dillingham, he did talk about coming into the week. He's like, "I don't have anything to sh- to show my freshman quarterback." what he said because i ran freshman quarterback i've got nothing to show him i can show him d2 stuff from nardo where he was at before i can show him stuff in week one against central arkansas when they didn't do anything didn't have anything to show him uh and the, the defense just looked great last night nardo i think look two for two right i mean you, you the the jury's not uh totally decided yet he's, he's not the best dc of all time he's not a Jim Knowles replacement just yet conference play hasn't even hit but all you can do is go out and, and, and tackle the assignment in front of you. And that's what Brian Nardo has done. So I'll be very curious to see as you get a pretty good South Alabama team next week, Iowa State, I believe, the following week, then you get the bye week and and see what happens with two weeks off before you really get into the meat of that conference schedule. Um, I think that this defense could be pretty good this year. And, you know, we're, we're down on the offense. A lot of people are down on the offense. They're, they're really struggling to run the ball and, and to block. Um, but could this team win I don't know, seven, eight, nine games this year just by playing great defense and just not turning the ball over and just doing barely enough. I don't know. Maybe they can. Um, I'm fascinated to see how this season plays out because this team's not a juggernaut, but they're also not terrible. So there's going to be a lot of close games. There's going to be a lot of nail biters, a lot of cardiac cowboys, and it's going to make for a very stressful and a very fun season uh, if these close ones continue to go Oklahoma State's way in the second half and in the fourth quarter.
1: Yeah, and and again, Arizona State's not very good. I think Rashad has got some talent. Mike Gundy sang his praises afterwards saying, I'm not looking forward to playing this guy in the new Big 12 because he, he is talented. But Arizona State's not very good. So I'm curious how this defense can handle a power run game with a 3-3-5 like a Kansas State comes to mind. Oklahoma comes to mind. But, again, they they look great against Arizona State. They had interception, two sacks, two quarterback hurries, eight tackles for loss. That, that'll get it done. And, again, they – they had to have that level of performance with the way the offense was performing. So again, great performance by the defense, but Colby, I think we're going to spend a majority of our time, time out the offense because, <coughs> excuse me, there's a lot to get into there. Let's just start with the quarterbacks. Clearly. I mean, when Bowman runs out there, Colby, I'm thinking, okay, week one, you wanted to play all three. Week two, as I mentioned in our preseason pod, I can't could not imagine them starting Rangel or Gundy on the road against a power five opponent. I thought it would be Bowman. So when he runs out there first goal, I'm thinking, okay, that for week one was a lot of fun. Okay, Bowman's the guy. Let's see if he can play an entire half. But nope, they stuck to the thirds, the four series, and out. And I guess let's just start with Bowman. What what did you see from Bowman? I, I liked what I saw from him. And again, I think with the quarterbacks playing the stretch that they're playing with, you know, four series a piece, it's hard to evaluate because each four series are not the same. Alan Bowman starts every possession he had other than the touchdown possession. He led started at the 25 off kickoff. The one time he had good field position, touchdown Rangel and Gundy, when they had their touchdown drives started after the turnovers on downs, you know, near midfield, different field position. Also, Bowman has had no semblance of running game when he's been in there. Second half is when Oklahoma state has established the run and it, it really is established. And that's, that hasn't been Bowman time. So it's, it's very, I think everyone involved with Oklahoma state can pick their quarterback and has something to latch on to. you know, with Bowman, it's the lack of field position. He leads he leads into to a touchdown drive. He gets yanked for the Gundy folks. It's look at his numbers. Look at the touchdown drives. He's led it's not an apples to apples situation here. And that's why I just, I, I don't understand this. Every time a quarterback got any semblance of rhythm in this game, they were yanked. And that's not a, that's not a coincidence. It takes a couple series, three, four to get your feet underneath you and get some rhythm in the offense with that quarterback. And every time they, a quarterback got a rhythm, Colby, they got yanked. And, and again, I think this leads to, um, this tweet from my former colleague, Brian Keating from channel five spot on. I, I can't reiterate this enough. Let me pull it up, but he's, he's talking about the, the rotation and you and I've talked a lot about Mike Gundy's mysterious <laughs> decisions with quarterback. There's been plenty of them. He seemingly gets it wrong more than he gets it right. But he tweeted quote, Mike Gundy has plenty of questionable quarterback decisions on his resume, but this is the wildest I've ever seen. You've been practicing for more than a month and in the spring And there is no chance all three guys are exactly the same. Pick a dang guy and go. This is crazy town. And, Colby, we can get into all three, but that's it for me. I mean, you can pick any of the three. They've all had their moments. They've all led to touchdown drives. I personally would go with Bowman, and I'll get into why. But pulling them every four series just takes away from your offense. It does not enhance it.
0: Yeah, I, I, I like the way that you led your point there. You said you're having a hard time evaluating the quarterbacks. And you took the words right out of my mouth because I want, I was, I, I thought after last night, I'm like, okay, I'm going to be able to go on the pod Sunday and I'm going to be able to have a strong take about who I think should be the starting quarterback for Oklahoma State. And I've got some soft takes. But how can I possibly have a strong take as to who could be quarterback? We, we're barely seeing anything from these guys. Bowman gets, you know, he, he gets pulled at the end of the first quarter. I think Gundy came in with like 10 minutes left in the second quarter. And then, and then Rangel starts the fourth quarter. I'm not seeing enough from any guy to really make a concrete statement that, hey, this is QB1. He has wowed me. This is QB1. Because I don't think a guy is being allowed to get into enough of a rhythm to be QB1, to really get out there and do it. Uh, Gunner has exceeded my expectations, but I'm still, I I think he's certainly closer to Bowman and Rangel than I would have thought before the season, but he hasn't wowed me to the point that I'm like, absolutely, QB1. Rangel, ball looks good coming out of his hand. Arm strength looks good, but man i don't know about some of the the accuracy and and maybe that's just uh, a lack of playing time and getting into a rhythm he had an out route last night to Dejon Stribling. that Stribling came back inside and made a nice catch on i mean you cannot throw an out route to the inside that could very easily be going the other direction and then alan bowman he's out there and carson they ran the ball for zero yards in the first half I don't even know how that's possible. This is Arizona State. It's not the steel curtain. It's not the purple people eaters. It's not anything that you should. I just don't understand how you can just run the ball into a wall time after time. You know, Gunner's in there. And then we finally see Ollie. You know, Ollie gets loose. I just, so many of the personnel decisions at quarterback, At running back, the inability to get the ball into Brennan's hands, dribbling looked great last night, but where are the Brennan touches coming? I just, the personnel decisions offensively, the distribution of touches right now, it all feels so random, and it doesn't feel like they've made decisions at quarterback, at running back. You know, they've made decisions at offensive line, but I can't block. It's just really a struggle right now offensively, and it makes it tough to evaluate these guys Uh, I'm sure the coaches are having a hard time too, but it's their job to decide. It's their job to figure it out, and it's their job to make the right decision. That's what they make all this money for. I I don't make all this money. I sit here and host a podcast, and I'm having trouble evaluating these quarterbacks because nobody's getting more than three or four series. It, it just feels random and chaotic right now on offense, Carson. There's no rhythm. There's no identity. Um, and, and the coaching staff is going to have to figure this out because your defense has been great, but I'm not prepared to sit here in October and November after they've suffered a couple of injuries and rip on the defense whenever they have a bad game and Oklahoma State loses whenever the offense is going out there and putting up 20, 27 points every week. It's not enough, um, and they've got to be better on that side of the ball. So I don't know exactly what the solution is at quarterback, but they've just got to pick a guy and then let him play a full game. And then we can evaluate that player because what they're doing right now, it's just really chopping up the offense. And and I do not like it one bit as a long-term plan or solution uh, or anything r- resembling a plan, really.
1: Yeah, I, th- I think everyone should go read Marshall's 10 thoughts on, on pistols firing. His third thought is kind of what you're referring to is is Ova- Oshu overreacting after last year's portal exodus. And what he's talking about is just, how much they're rotating and they're rotating perhaps too many people we mentioned the quarterbacks. That's the most obvious one. The only one they're not rotating a ton at is offensive line. But to your point, Gordon, Ollie Gordon ran for 47 yards in OSU's first series out of halftime. He didn't even play the next series. Corey Black blew up a bubble route in the backfield in the third quarter. Then he went to the sideline. There were times when the defensive line was filled with young, inexperienced players in a tight game. Wide receivers, running backs, linebackers, D-line, in and out. And and look, I, it was 104 degrees. I mean, this is the hot, one of the hottest games in Arizona, Arizona State's history. I, I understand keeping guys fresh, but I think it's become to a point, Colby, where it's a detriment to the team. And let's just rewind to when everyone was leaving Oklahoma State, this portal exodus Marshall refers to. Do you remember how desperate OSU fans were to keep Ollie Gordon? Do you remember the NIL packages and everything just to keep Ollie Gordon?
0: Yeah, desperate. Desperately wanted him back. Could not lose that guy.
1: He has to be the focal point of your offense. It's not the quarterback position. It has to be Ollie Gordon. I really, really like Elijah Collins, by the way. I, I like him a lot. I, he He's done a lot with the limited opportunities he's gotten. But to f- the fact that he runs for 47 yards... doesn't even get a snap the next series that that's just poor coaching It, it just is it's just it's it's no feel of the game it's no concept of how the game is playing out it's no concept of your talent I mean I thought Ollie Gordon should have played last year and here we are the very next year as the starter and he's not out there when the game's on the line And I think do you think it's the fact that it was the heat Colby do you think it's the fact that it's early in the season they don't want to get guys banged up why do you think they are rotating so much to where their best players aren't on the field?
0: I can only assume it's because they're scared of the injury, just exodus that they had last year that really, I mean, it just turned everything into a complete disaster, but man, that's a, a hell of a way to coach whenever you've got a guy who, I mean, all these RB1, right? The size and the speed, that's stuff that you can't coach and uh Yeah, he touches the ball two times in the first three quarters against Central Arkansas. He touches the ball two times in the first half last night. Carries, anyway. Carries twice in the first half last night. Then he comes out after halftime, and they're like, okay, we're down 15 to 10. Let's give the ball to Ollie so we can get going. It's – why are you down 15 to 10 before he starts getting the ball? I just – it does not make any sense to me. Um, I can only think that it's because they're guarding against injuries, but that's a a tough way to coach. And, I mean, I understand why you guard against injuries – not wearing a guy out, giving him 35 touches in every non-conference game like they did with Chuba. But, my God, two carries in the first half? Two carries last week in the first three quarters? I mean, there's a fine line between not overworking a guy and getting him worn down and injured and just not giving a guy enough touches. And they're on the wrong side of that line right now. Ollie needs more touches. Brennan needs more touches. It's that simple. I can see it. You can see it. A bunch of people on Twitter can see it. Uh, I'm reading through some of your mentions right now. I haven't even gotten to mine yet. Um, I've been out all day. I don't even know if I'll get to them today. I, I appreciate everybody for tweeting at us uh, with your questions, your thoughts, your comments. We, we love that stuff. And uh, hopefully, I'll have time soon to get to all of it. But uh, yeah, Ollie needs more touches. Brennan needs more touches. Um, your offensive line struggling. You need the ball in your best playmaker's hands more often, and they're not doing that right now. Uh, they've gotten away with it for two weeks. They're 2-0. and It's got to be better moving forward. Well, and Ollie ends up averaging 5.9
1: a carry, Jaden Nixon 6.1, Collins 3.8. So I will give the offense credit for adjustments and finding a way to run the football in the second half, because without that, their quarterback position is just not good enough to go win the game. So they did figure out something on the ground. I'm, I'm just curious if they can do that in two halves consecutively because as you mentioned 0.0 that does factor in sacks but still that that just cannot happen and it, it perhaps, factors
0: in sacks Carson. it factors in sacks but it was not because of sacks we watched the game it was not because of sacks
1: that's true that's that's important to note as well so I I will give them a tiny bit of credit there but the 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 play that summed it up for me and just and I tweeted this during during the second half like the, the OSU offense is is just broken it's it's not well run. There's no rhythm. I do feel a little bit for Casey Dunn, but this is under his watch that they're playing three quarterbacks. He needs to go into Mike's office and be like, I want this guy. I can't call plays for three different quarterbacks who have three different skill sets. Um, so I, I do feel for Casey a little bit in that, but here's where I don't. And I didn't tweet out this video because they ended up scoring on two plays later. The first touchdown of the game. Ollie Gordon has it, I believe, second and uh, second goal. Let me let me pull up the let me pull up the drive so I get it right. I'm trying to talk while I host here. Yeah, hey,
0: you're good. Make sure you get it right.
1: Okay. So first and goal. It's first and goal at the Arizona State three on the first touchdown drive with with Alan Bowman and a quarterback. I paused it because I I couldn't believe I was like, is this the is this the design of the play? And it was. They had five offensive linemen and a basically a cowboy back. Cassidy, I believe, was in the backfield with with Ollie Gordon five offensive linemen and Cassidy that makes six and Matt and Colby. The reason I got into broadcast journalism was I was terrible at math. They told me no more math. If I switched to journalism. So I did, but even I can do this math. Arizona state has eight men in the box. So it's eight on five and Cassidy really doesn't do a whole lot. Once the ball snaps. So it's it's basically eight on five. It's not eight on six. Can you imagine what the, what happened on that play? He ran for oh. one yard. And on the very and this is this is where I don't think Casey Dunn is a very good play caller. On the very next play, he calls a pass play where they have the numbers, they have the numbers in the box, and they throw a pass. And that's the one he threw out wide to Stribling that was out of bounds. Now I didn't tweet out the video because they ended up scoring, and everyone thinks I'm just this curmudgeon and I, I, I only tweet negative things. Well, again. Where, where are these people that think I just tweet negative things when they're winning the Fiesta Bowl? When I'm saying, my, I, I still this week said Mike Gundy's a Hall of Famer, and some guy said, you, you tweeted this, you're enabling Mike Gundy. You're enabling him to keep his job. So I'm both a Mike Gundy apologist and I'm a Mike Gundy hater, apparently. That's just the nature of doing what we do, Colby. But the, f- <laughs> the fact that they can't even get simple math right with their formations or I don't know. Can we go back to the Zach Robinson offense where they turn back and look at the sideline and go, "Oh, we've got numbers. How about we do this? How about we throw? How about we throw it to Stribbling on this play when we've got the numbers out wide versus just a jam-packed box that has no chance of success? This is where. <laughs> this is why they don't score thirty points, Colby. One play like that is why. There's no feel for the game. There's no looking at what the defense is doing. It's like this is my play. They've got eight in there. Hope Ollie makes something happen. Cloud of dust. They ended up scoring. I know that. But that's why they don't have success routinely. That's why they averaged, again, less than five yards per play, which is not acceptable at Oklahoma State. It's just not.
0: No, it's not. And I think, Carson, you know, I watch a ton of football. You watch a ton of football. Uh, I have my whole life. I'm a football junkie. College, NFL, I love it. I think I've watched enough football now to, to make the statement that there are play callers, both offensively and defensively, who just have a feel for the game. And then there are play callers who just kind of have what they want to do and they just kind of do what they want to do. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Uh, Jim Knowles, for example, Jim Knowles had an elite feel for the game. That guy knew exactly when to blitz, exactly when to lay back, how to confuse quarterbacks, how to do all these different things. You look at some some uh, offensive coordinators. <coughs> pardon me, some offensive coordinators uh, of Yesteryear at Oklahoma State. Mike Yersich, I think he struggled a little bit early in his tenure, very early in his tenure at Oklahoma State. But after that, he pretty much was dialing up the right thing at the right time. When that team was losing games, it was because the other team scored 49, not because Oklahoma State scored 27. You go back to Todd Munkin. You go back to Dana Holgerson. These guys, there was a natural flow to the offense, and it felt like, like you're saying, Carson, like when you ran the ball, it was because you had an advantage. Whenever you threw the ball, you you knew – what the defense was in, where to get guys into space, how to find the holes in the defense. And those are things that I, the, the sample size is big enough now. Casey Dunn's feel for the game, just, it's not great. Um, he, he runs the ball into walls when they don't have numbers. Um, they, they, they struggle. And I understand the offensive line problems. I, and I'm reading a, a mention right now on Twitter is, <clears throat> is why I bring that up. Yes, it is harder to call plays when your offensive line is struggling. But it's not impossible Oklahoma State's not the only only team in the country with a subpar offensive line. It's hard to find good O-line play these days whenever all of the best linemen are going to the same 10 schools in the country every single year. And yet, I mean, teams find a way to get guys into space. Teams find a way to get into good running plays. Um, I just think Casey Dunn's feel for the game just – it isn't great. I don't think that he's a good play caller, and I think the sample size is big enough now to say that um without people freaking out and think that we're just being unnecessarily critical it is what it is oklahoma state has got to be better on that side of the ball um casey dunn obviously has at at least the rest of this season to do it and we'll see if he can put it together
1: well and that's and and we're talking about results here this is not anything to do besides that what was it texas the last time they scored 30
0: that's the it stat was, you keep bringing up. Yes. October 22nd of last season.
1: So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games straight, less than 30 points. And we, I love to make fun of Iowa. Everyone listening to this podcast knows that they put in, what that what was that incentive for Brian Ferentz, the offensive coordinator at Iowa to score, was it 28 points a game? Was that like I his contract incentive?
0: I'm not sure what it the number was. It was something close
1: to that, but that's, that's where Oklahoma state is just, get to 28. They haven't done it yet this year. They scored 27 back-to-back games. That That's not us being haters. That's results. This is year four of Casey Dunn, and this is where we're at. I mean, Oklahoma State has really morphed into Iowa. They have to win on defense and special teams. That's, that's where we're at. Now, Colby, when you were watching the game, I don't know about you. I literally just Whenever they were it was about to take out Gundy time, because his four series were up, I just I raised my hands and basically said, I don't care who the quarterback is, enough with the three quarterback rotation. Keep Gunner in there for all I care. And I'm not a Gunner guy. I don't think he should be the quarterback. Where what were you thinking when Gunner gets pulled and Rangel comes in there? And again, they throw three straight passes with Rangel. No running game, and this is why it's so hard. You and I have talked about it. it's so hard to judge each quarterback because it's a different, it's a different series, it's a different game plan, guy to guy. He comes out and throws three straight passes, three and out. So where, where are you at mentally watching this game with this tried and true
0: four series, and you're out? I'm in the same place I was in last week, except it was a different order last week. Um, they kind of had it rolling going into the fourth and it's like, okay, I don't know if they had it rolling, but you, you, you need to go win the game in the fourth and they switched quarterbacks and they brought Gunner in it in. And I'm thinking, oh my God, this is risky. This is insanely risky to do this right now going into the fourth quarter. Last night, you're going to the fourth quarter. You're up by two points. Gunner, he's kind of got it rolling. They pull him last week. I couldn't believe Gunner was going in this week. I couldn't believe Gunner was getting pulled and not because I don't think Rangel maybe is a better player. Isn't a better player. I don't know. Again, I'm having trouble evaluating the quarterbacks because we're not seeing enough of them, but I was blown away that it was just, okay, this is the pregame plan and the pregame plan cannot be trumped. I don't know. Maybe it can, maybe, maybe it can, depending on the situation of the game. And you can tell Rangel afterward, look, we had some rhythm going. This doesn't impact your status. Let's let's see how we do in practice this week. But, yeah, last week I was shocked that Gunner was coming in. This week I was shocked that Gunner was coming out. Um, again, it, it seems random. I know it was pre-calculated, but it seems random to just, you know, whatever's happening in the game, this is exactly when we're bringing a new quarterback in. They've gotten away with it two weeks in a row. It's worked two weeks in a row but the rhythm isn't there offensively. And, and I don't think that this is a 12 game system. I, I think after the bye week, you've got to have a guy.
1: You have to, I mean, again, you, you just, you have to, this is just, I mean, again, my gunny's done a lot of weird things. With quarterbacks. This is, this is chief among them. Uh, as a whole, they went 22 for 32, 69% completion, 191 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions, pretty pedestrian. So, I am assuming it's gonna be the opposite order again. Gundy, then Rangel, then Bowman. Don't you?
0: Uh boy. I mean, trying to guess the order at this point. I would say probably, yeah. Gundy, Rangel, Bowman. Yeah, give Bowman a fourth quarter. He's the only one that hadn't gotten a fourth quarter yet. That's apparently when uh Oklahoma State offense goes out there and shines and wins the game. So yeah, I would have to imagine it's Gundy, Rangel, Bowman next week.
1: I guess. But again, who would you start? I, here's where I'm at now. I, I still think Rangel probably has the best combination of mobility and, and arm strength.
0: I think his ceiling is the highest. Is that fair?
1: Yeah, I, I would agree. I don't know. I, I think this offensive ceiling is highest with Bowman. And again, I think people are judging him pretty harshly based on his field position, and zero commitment to the running game when he's been in there. I think if you give him a full – again, give him a full half to full game, I think they score more than 30 points. I do. I think he's got the experience. I just think the offense started to really find its rhythm that last drive, and then he gets yanked. And, again, I think that's just that's just, that's just just bad coaching. <laughs> that's. A, I would go with Bowman. Uh, you could talk me into Rangel. I know I've wish-washed. I said Rangel going into Arizona State. But I just think that experience is going to matter come Big 12 play. Uh, I I just do. And I think Bowman probably is the best of running the offense and getting that rhythm down. Um, but I would go with Bowman. Would you go with Rangel?
0: I don't know. I mean, you said, I don't know a few times in your answer. I feel like I'm stuck in, in a world of, I don't know. Um, I mean, last night when they come out with Bowman starting the game and they're just slinging it all over the place, I'm like, okay, they started Bowman because they know they can't run the ball, and they think as the veteran, he is the most likely to be able to throw it 50 times and not really put it in harm's way. That was my thought. Then we just kind of got back into the quarterback rotation again. Um, I do think Rangel has more zip on the ball. I mean, if you're going to need to throw it 50 times, probably Bowman. He probably gives you the best chance to just have steady success. Um Gunner has looked good as, as more of like a game manager. Not He's not flashy, but he was just steady, um, not putting the ball in harm's way. Rangel, again, I think has the highest ceiling and he's younger. So if you think that he could be your quarterback of the future, I don't see why he wouldn't be your quarterback of the now and let him figure it out over the last eight games of this season. But I'm kind of stuck in a world of I don't know because um, because I don't know. I haven't seen enough. I, I would probably lean. It's a lean rangel because i think he's the most likely guy who could be a three-year starter but i say that with all the confidence of someone who has watched each of these guys play a third of a game so um yeah i I guess we'll see what it looks like against south alabama and maybe we'll be able to craft a better opinion at that point once we have a little bit bigger sample size
1: i asked for twitter questions and (laughs) someone suggested that they just go ahead and play flores and then just play each of them a quarter just go to go to a four quarterback rotation. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Why that'd be way more definitive. Point?
0: You know, you're getting Why a whole not? quarter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's wild. Um, yeah, then what do you do if it's uh, if it's like third and three in the first quarter ends? Yeah, I mean, okay. This one one tremendous. more thing I I wanted <laughs> to bring We're up. This Kobe. conversation is madness.
1: It, it is. One more thing that is lost now that they they've won by double digits and they beat Arizona State and they're two and zero. Oh, I mean, I, I'm going to try and be delicate here, but Mike Gundy almost cost the team the game. Do you remember the delay of game penalty on Rangel down near the goal oh, line? Their, oh, I touchdown remember. ends the yeah. game.
0: I was losing my mind, losing my mind with the delay of game
1: inside the five touchdown ends the game and they have three timeouts. Do you want to venture a guess where Mike Gundy was when this occurred? Oh, no. Did I miss something here? Where? Well, I had a friend at the game. Shout out to Brian Birchell. He was he was texting me during the game. He was losing his mind too with all the quarterbacks and everything else. I'm sure everyone there was a ton of OSU fans there. I was really proud of all the OSU fans that traveled. But he was at the game and he texted me and said, Mike Gundy was at the 40-yard line. Not engaged, not nowhere near the play while this all went down. And to me, like, and again, I'm not trying to just. Hate on Mike Gundy, and that makes this make this entire podcast about Mike Gundy and the, the, the job he's doing. But this is these little plays can determine a game, <laughs> and you have the clock running down, and your head coach is nowhere to be found, and you have three timeouts, and you got a you know sophomore in there at quarterback. Rangel has not played a ton of snaps; has sat the entire game up until this point and he's in a stadium he's never played in before, probably doesn't have great recognition as things are going on quickly on the field where the play clock is, you have to be there. You have to be there to call the timeout to preserve that because that, that knocked him all the way out of, out of touchdown range. They had to settle for field goal long one at that. And I just, to me, that is just inexcusable Colby. I, I couldn't believe that happened, that they had a penalty right there with your head coach in no position at all to call timeout to the official. That 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 could have lost them the game if the defense hadn't played so well.
0: Yeah, it could have. Again, the defense is bailing them out, and that is disastrous game management, um, both from a young quarterback who is responsible for getting his team up to the line and making sure that the ball is snapped on time, and from the head coach for not being there as the fail-safe. That's what the head coach is. You're inside the five-yard line in a one-score game in the fourth quarter. The head coach is the fail-safe, if the young quarterback on the field doesn't get everything going in time. um, Yeah, no, I, I wasn't watching it closely enough, I guess, to realize that Mike Gundy was on the other end of the field away from the play. Yeah, that, that play could have cost him the game, and I was – yeah, I was beside myself when that was happening. Um, my my in-laws were actually here this morning. They stayed over last night, and they were in here watching the game with me. I think the baby was still asleep, and I'm in here yelling at the TV because we're at the other end of the house. I'm like, I don't think that's loud enough to wake the baby, but a delay a game inside the five is it's pretty inexcusable, um, and and I'm sure they'll go back and diagnose why it happened. But, yeah, the, the coach has to be there as the fail-safe if the young quarterback doesn't get it done in time. Yeah, that was <laughs> –
1: that would have been really, really ugly in post game if that had gone south. But um, Cowboys do win again. Three point line, they win by double digits. So they're two and zero again. Shout out to Alex Hale, Colby. He seems to be back to where he was. I know he missed the the fifty two yarder, but he, I thought he looked sharp. Uh, he, he made he made, 52. he made from fifty two.
0: He made from fifty two. Missed from fifty. You you can only oh. expect so much of a kicker from fifty plus. Yeah, I mean,
1: <laughs> Mike Gundy loves having Google kickers they can kick from fifty two. <laughs> He he just loves that, and shout out to him, man. He had that brutal knee injury and warmups, and uh, he 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 appears to be back to to full strength. So it's good. It's it's nice having a kicker you can count on, Cole. Because when you don't, you know, Mike's proven he'll run him out there anyway if the if the situation doesn't call for you know going for it.
0: Yeah, and Alex Hale is going to be called on more this season because Oklahoma State, they're going to be in more close games. This is an offense that even if they continue to improve, and I think that there's a chance that they can get better on that side of the ball, even if they continue to improve, they're going to be in a lot of close games. So the kicking is going to matter. Uh, Alex Hale was solid last night. One of two from 50-plus, I can live with that. You make all the other ones that you're supposed to make. We're in good shape there with the kicking game, I think. Special teams has been solid the first couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, sure has. It's time for the Chris's University Spirit Uniform Review brought to you by Chris's University Spirit, your one-stop cowboy shop. Colby, what do you think of the white, white orange with the uh, the new helmet, Curse of Cowboys with the uh, orange face mask?
0: I thought it looked good. I thought it looked really good. Um, I don't actually, maybe this is just a me thing. I don't love the orange face mask. I think that white helmet with a white face mask would look a lot sharper and a lot cleaner. But all in all, I think that the unis look good. And I just, I love the Curse of Cowboys. It's such a good one.
1: I do too. I I think I agree with you. Like the orange face mask is almost a little too much. I think it looks cleaner with the, the white, but I did love the helmet. Uh, it's kind of interesting. The, the holes on the side of the helmet, like the, the middle of the sea on Cowboys. On a lot of guys looks black. Cause there's that hole right there. Kind of a, gotta be a chore for Justin Williams and those guys to get those stickers on right a the holes. They got all over their helmets. I thought it looked kind of funky.
0: Uh, yeah, it did. It definitely did a little bit. Um, yeah I didn't have a a strong love or hate there
1: well but the again the two the two white uniforms with the different numerals that are orange or black I think goes a long way because there's so many times Colby you and I were discussing uniforms where the pants didn't really match the numbers and now they they've got a full arsenal to deal with so I thought they looked great and they weren't stupid enough to wear all black and 105 degrees like Arizona State just another example of Arizona State just being a bit of a Bit of a clown show over there well, in Tempe. Well, but
0: remember, but remember, we can't go out and join the Pac-12 because of education. <laughs> exactly.
1: Well, they they reluctantly joined the Big 12. They kind of had to, so they they probably would rather stay over there in hoity-toity Pac-12 land if they they had the choice. But uh, um, yeah. you re- ready for bullets and BBs?
0: I am ready for bullets and BBs, Carson. My bullet. I mean, we talked about them right off the top. I just, I can't say enough about this defense. I I didn't think that they had that in them last night in the second half. I really didn't. I was worried. I thought Arizona State would have a similar second-half performance to what they did in the first half. And I thought Oklahoma State was going to have to score 30-plus to win last night. Didn't have a ton of confidence in it. The defense, Brian Nardo, the adjustments, um, you know, guys getting beaten and coming back and making a play. Lyric Rawls, he got beat a couple times last night, came back and made a play. Corey Black's making plays. Um, Kendall Daniels is making plays. Colin Oliver, Nathan Latu. Nicholas Martin, I mean, I'm, I'm just rattling guys off right now, and I'm, I'm forgetting some along the way. It was just a really great performance from the Oklahoma State defense in that second half when it really mattered. Xavier Benson played well um yeah just just a good game on that side of the ball so brian nardo uh he gets a bullet and then all the guys out there making plays in that heat i mean 1, 113 was the high in tempe yesterday they're out there warming up before the game they're chasing scatabo around doing his little wildcat in the first half chasing rashada around those receivers running loose in the first half they had to have been tired in that heat and they came out and got it done in the second half and pitched a shutout uh major bullet to the entire oklahoma state defense
1: yeah, that's where I'm going. I'm going with Nick Martin again, the guy who was in a position battle, a uh, middle linebacker. I thought he was everywhere, and he just—I know he's a little undersized, but Colby, but he—he kind of looks more. He kind of looks just more athletic than a typical, prototypical Oklahoma State linebacker. He—he he just has that kind of look to him where he just looks kind of quick, twitchy, and I just thought he was—he was outstanding. Uh So Nick Martin. And I, I love the D-line. I love Latou and Goodlow. I thought they really stood out as well. So, again, not, as bad as it was, and as dicey as it was, uh, I'm really, really pleased with the defense through through two weeks. I think you got to give Brian Nardo a lot of credit, especially when I know it had to be tempting for him to kind of reach deep into his bag of tricks that he hasn't shown yet uh, when the game was on the line, and he didn't have to do that. And that's telling that he, he had confidence in, in what he's got to deal with. So, uh, big, 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 big uh, bullet to uh, the defense.
0: Carson, now it's time to give out BBs. Casey How many Dunn, you, you got? You got like a six pack? You got a twelve pack? I've got two. I've got two. The players, yeah, I get it. Sometimes the execution's not perfect. Casey Dunn and Charlie Dickey—they get paid a lot of money to run an offense. It's a, it's a struggle right now. I've got yards per play rankings for this season pulled up. Carson, any guesses? Any guesses on Oklahoma State's uh, ranking nationally right now through two weeks? Yards per play. Uh, yards per play, I would guess 100. Not quite that poor. 83. Two spots behind La Tech. One spot behind a pretty poor Houston team. One spot ahead of Virginia Tech. Two spots ahead of Texas El Paso. That is where Oklahoma State's offense fits in nationally. With the likes of Louisiana Tech, Houston, Texas, El Paso, UTSA, UConn is at 87, UL Monroe, Jacksonville State, Akron. This is where Oklahoma State's offense fits in nationally. And yes, not making a quarterback decision, juggling running backs, all those different things. But the reality is Casey Dunn and Charlie Dickey are responsible for putting an offense together. The offensive line has somehow gotten worse under Charlie Dickey. The offense has undoubtedly gotten worse under Casey Dunn and... You know, maybe it's it's time to take the gloves off a little bit whenever we analyze the offense because the coaches are not getting it done. And ultimately, they are the ones responsible for it. They're the ones making the big bucks to go out and put points on the board. 2-0. Um, oh, I love being 2-0. They're 2-0 because of the defense. The offense has to be better. Uh, BB's for Casey, BB for Casey Dunn. BB for Charlie Dick.
1: Yeah, I'm going to give another bullet to Dejon Stribling. I thought his touchdown catch was not as easy as he made it look. Gunner good. threw it a little high, and he, he had strong hands to get it, so I'll give another shout-out to Stribling. I think he's – Colby, I think through two weeks, I think he's proven to be the guy out wide. I thought he looked really good.
0: Yeah, no, he's he's wide receiver one. Uh, I didn't know a ton about him coming into the season. I'd watched a few highlights like everybody else, but he played at Washington State, so hadn't hadn't watched really any of him live. He's been really good, and that was a good shout because I, I kind of lost him in the uh, the other conversations. He was great last night.
1: Yeah, my BB just goes to the entire offense. And again, I I don't want to make this a weekly segment, but again, I just Arizona State's not a good team. They're just not. And Oklahoma State's offense, it doesn't have an identity. It doesn't have a flow, and it doesn't have much in the way of you know any semblance of game plan. Uh, from quarterback to quarterback, the game plan seems to change. Uh, second half, they went under center a lot and had some success running the football. It's time to stop worrying about what you show on film and start putting points on the board. Again, eight straight games under 30 points. That's just not good enough. And again, I I just, I wonder how this season's going to play out because I, I think whatever quarterback they eventually pick, if they do, they're going to have the same play calling issues. And Casey Dunn is just, if you go back, if you go watch his post game from Central Arkansas, it's it's sunshine and rainbows, man. Had a great game. Had an awesome time, man. We had, we did, we did great. There's, there's no like, and I know what they say in post game. It's, you know, it's mostly coach speak, but I want to hear from Casey Dunn. This isn't good enough. I'm better than this. We, we cannot be scoring less than 30 points. That's on me. I don't hear any of that. I hear, man, great, great job in the second half. We really, we really ran the football. Uh, I mean, you, Colby, I I defy you or anyone listening to go back and watch his post game from central Arkansas. I I meant to bring it up last post game pod, but it, it's almost like everything's great. Nothing's wrong. And I'm here to tell you, everything's wrong. (laughs) They, they fortunately got to 27 and it was fortunate thanks to the defense, giving them great field position with turnovers on downs, or it could have been even worse. And I, we had to listen all offseason about, oh, we're fixing the running game. We're going back to these run schemes that are going to be great. And, and Colby, this offense looks the exact same as last year, if not a little worse. Um, so, again, it's week two. Uh, I was saying very similar things when they won on the road at Boise State. That's been a big talking point. I know Sellout Crowd from Barry Trammell, he's writing about how it was very similar feeling. Some of the players commented that it was a similar feeling to Boise State. Maybe they turn it around. And, and and this is where I this is why I gave Mike Gunny the benefit for the doubt and picking them to win nine games. I, I I think his teams do get better. I think he has a lot of new players. He said that. He goes, I didn't know how these guys were going to react on the road. I don't know them. <laughs> and I, I certainly understand that. That's something I will grant him. But the offense is a problem, and it doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of urgency. It doesn't seem like there's a whole lot of come to Jesus thoughts at least in the public amongst Casey Dunn and Mike Gundy it's more of well we 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 got to get better we we got to we got to we got to figure that out I mean we've been here and we got to figure that out for for three and a half years Colby and I'm I'm uh I was very bullish on this team coming into the season I'm having very serious doubts about that based on what I've seen from the offense uh
0: yeah I think it's going to come down to one score games I still think that this team can win a healthy number of games but you they're just going to have to win some close ones because. I, I thought that – I mean, I thought that they would have the potential to – occasionally you're playing a bad team, you know, against Central Arkansas or Arizona State. I mean, I wanted to see 40-plus. Go hang 56 on somebody in these first couple of weeks. It's it's pretty obvious they're not going to be able to run away from anybody. So I still think they can win a bunch of games, uh, but I think that they're going to have to win some some seriously close nail-biters in conference play, and that's a hard way to live. But that's, uh, that's where we're at. Cardiac Cowboys, baby, we're here. Yeah, it's <laughs> – I did
1: think about cardiac Cowboys from the 2015 season where they just, they started out 10 and 0, winning a bunch of just skinnier teeth games that you just, you, you look back at how they win that game. I don't know, but they're 10 and 0. Uh it's very similar to that where They couldn't run the football and it kind of came down to some timely defensive plays. And of course, having a young Mason Rudolph didn't hurt. Um, you got time for a few Twitter questions.
0: Uh, Yeah, let's do a couple. I'll, I'll say this uh, Oklahoma state, the way the offensive line looks right now, Real happy that the Big 12 merged this year, and Texas isn't on the schedule. My God, do they have some Maulers? Finally,
1: yeah, they they look good. Uh, Texas might, in fact, be back. Although I think Bama is way down from what they typically are. But oh, again, yeah, winning in yeah, Tuscaloosa yeah. is no small feat. I don't mean to diminish that. Yeah, but but yeah, the Texas looks. From
0: Bryce Young, the dip from Bryce Young to that kid last night, significant. Uh, he's got some learning to do. He made some mistakes. But Texas was physical. When they needed to go run the ball to end the game, they ran it right down Bama's throat, and that's not easy to do. Are you ready
1: for a DEA update from our friend Brian Metcalf?
0: All right, DEA time. Hit me.
1: That's Again, the DEA was developed by Brian Metcalf, Brian J. Metcalf on Twitter. It's the Dunn-Era average of offense. Uh, He said, seems like you have enough questions. Just a DEA update. 304 total yards is well under the Game 2 DEA, which is 373 yards and well under the overall DEA of 417 yards. So again, Coley, the offense continues to get worse every single game under Casey Dunn.
0: Uh, Yeah, that's just, that's tough. Shout out to Brian for giving us the DEA update every week. Uh, That'll be a fun little weekly segment that we get to do here uh as we try to make sense of what we're seeing on that side of the ball all right let's do uh three more because i've got a a baby crying and a wife cooking dinner who's frustrated with me i've been gone for 10 hours and then i come home and i can't stop talking
1: uh ryan johnson we seem to run the ball better in the second half and i saw some fullbacks and plays under center was this the new blocking scheme we've been hearing about or unrelated i think there's it's not a coincidence colby they've run the ball better in the second half i think they've said you know what we ran for 0.0 in the first half let's implement you know what we've been working on and what we think works and I think that's why they've had success in the second half running the football
0: Yeah, no, you're absolutely right. I I do think that that's probably a little bit of what they were talking about. We certainly saw more of it last night than we saw against Central Arkansas, right? There was none of it against UCA. Last night, they sprinkled it in. It wasn't consistent, still mostly out of shotgun, but they sprinkled it in. Uh, There were a couple of times there in that second half, there was one third and one in particular. I I can't even remember which quarterback was in at the time now, Um, but it was a third and one. They lined up under center, turned around, hand the ball off, boom, up the middle for a yard and a half. You get the first down. It's... It's baby steps, right? I, I don't think the, the run game is going to become a juggernaut overnight. Gradual improvement. Um, yeah, I think that that was a little bit of what we what was talked about and what was sold to us in the offseason.
1: Yep, I agree. Uh, one more. Basically, lot lots of questions about the quarterback. Again, I, I would probably go with Bowman, especially when you get into Big 12 play. Been there. He's been in the fire at Big 12 play. But you could talk me into Rangel. Um Basically, to that point, Sam Tomlinson, who was it that said when you have two quarterbacks, you have no quarterback? I feel like that applies in the case of three quarterbacks for sure. And uh, I just I don't understand why they're doing this, Colby. I, I just don't. It's it's one of the more baffling things I've seen following Oklahoma State football so, as long as I have.
0: Yeah, I don't know. Maybe uh, was it you said Keating talking about the the transfer exodus last year? Maybe they're worried about transfers. I don't know. Bowman can't transfer. Uh, Gundy's probably not going to transfer. The only guy you're worried about really is Rangel. I don't know, is he the best guy Play him. Maybe he's the future, I don't know. It is just, it's kind of baffling. Um, Again, it's not like every single one of them is going out and they're just leading touchdown drive after touchdown drive and nobody can defend them, and that's why you can't take any of the three off the field. The offense looks kind of average with all three of them. Make a decision and and then evaluate. And and guess what? If you get it wrong the first time, if a guy goes out and and he's terrible whenever he has a full game, then give another guy a chance. But doing this third thing, it's not going to work forever.
1: No, it's not. Um, anything else before we get out of here, anything nationally stick out to you? The big 10, uh, my, my big 12 boys went two and one. We can always count on Matt Campbell embarrassing the big 12 against Iowa. Just what a pathetic performance.
0: I hate that game. I hate the Iowa -Iowa State game because every year I hold out just a smidge of hope that Iowa State can get it done, and they never can. It was ugly from the jump. I ended up flipping over and watching tennis. That would probably be my only other thing I want to talk about today. Bullet, Coco golf, Well done. That was an electric tennis match, 19 years old, U.S. Open champion. That was awesome.
1: Yeah, I'm not talking tennis. But uh, Do we have a a point spread on South Alabama?
0: uh, I don't see one. I just looked, and I don't see one yet.
1: Well, the dogs are barking. Dinner's on the what's table for guess? you. So, what, what,
0: What's your guess? Real quick, guess on uh, guess on the line for Ooh. USA and Oklahoma State. Well, they're, they lost to Tulane
1: by 20, I think, but Tulane's a good football team. I'm going to guess Vegas isn't going to make this double digits just based on the way OSU plays offense. I'm going to say OSU minus seven.
0: Boy, you were close. I didn't know if I'd have it or not. I did find it right here. Oklahoma State is a seven-and-a-half-point favorite currently. South Alabama's minus 120 catching the points oklahoma state's even money at minus seven and a half Mm -hmm. over under is 47 and a half that's a much (laughs) more appropriate over under the over under of 56 and a half this past week was a joke i should have hammered it
1: we're a big 10 team colby i guess i just have to come to terms with that Woof. that's an iowa
0: total uh did we just become iowa the 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 total for iowa and western michigan is 42 and a half so we're close but we're not there yet
1: well, they're playing a better team. I think I think South Alabama is better than Western Michigan. If they're a better team. It would be the same.
0: Yeah, Iowa's a 27-point favorite next week, so you got a point there. Yeah,
1: so. Well, Hawkeyes Firing Podcast has commenced. Oh, no. OSU's 2-0. and o, So, uh, Colby, it's always interesting. That's one yep. thing. That Oklahoma State is always interesting. That's one thing we know for sure, but we'll get back with you again next week, or this thing, week, I guess.
0: The other thing we know for sure, no matter how it looks on Saturdays, Thanks, everybody, for listening, and as always, go Pokes.